Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had Nathan Burdett in the house. We tasted Westland American Single Malt. Uh, my name is Nathan Burdett and I led that class. It was great. We did the American Oak, the Sherry Wood, the Peated, and then we finished off with our little special Native Oak series, the Gariana. Very hard to come by, very hard to find, but I found some. Be sure to listen to this podcast responsibly. That means hmm, don't chop down any Gariana trees. You got me? I'm a tree hugger. That's right. Different brand. Different brand, yeah. but this is like really a major passion for you, right? Yeah, so we're gonna go through Westland American Single Malt. Um, and this is a big passion for me because I cover the Pacific Northwest for my, for my company. So I'm in Seattle once a month and that's where we're based. Our distillery is based, this Westland American Single Malt is based in downtown Seattle. And so I get to visit the distillery once a month and I've just seen this brand grow and gain all these awards. And we're a young brand. The brand's only been around since 2010. So, and the category is only like kind of been around since the early 2000s. And it's not even technically a recognized category by the federal government yet. So we're kind of, we're entering new territory with American single malt. There's over 100 distilleries in the United States making American single malt. But we like to think of ourselves as kind of the, the leader of the pack. Definitely. <laughs> I would say that too. And I, I'm, you know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I've got a soft spot for Westland for yeah. sure. And so a lot of the other craft distilleries that are bringing their, their new spirits to market, they're not solely focusing on the whole single malt thing. That's kind of what makes you guys unique, right? You like, yeah. really have a, a laser-like fix on trying to make single malt American whiskey something that's a big yeah, deal. That's uh, our tribute to the co-founder and master distiller, Matthew Hoffman. When he set out to create this distillery, I mean, long and short of it, pretty simply, he knew he wanted to do this when he was in high school. So he was going to college and he dropped out, took the remaining money that he had from dropping out a couple of years early and went to Harvey White, went over to Scotland and got his brewing and distilling degree. It's the only place you can get a degree in brewing and distilling. And then he spent a couple of years. University of Glasgow? Yeah, the University of Glasgow, yeah. <laughs> he spent a couple of years uh, traveling around and working in and out of distilleries and breweries in Scotland and Ireland. And he learned and picked up what he needed to do to come back and grab investors and open in Seattle, where he's from, in Washington State, a single malt distillery that was only going to make American single malt. We're not gonna make a vodka, we're not gonna make a gin, we're not gonna make an American whiskey from corn or rye, because corn and rye doesn't grow in the Pacific Northwest. Barley does. The, when you look at the world as a globe around, you'll see that like Scotland, Washington State kind of sit on that same plane, so we have the same kind of like weather, same weather patterns, same soil, same barometric pressure it just makes sense that barley would grow there. And he knew that. And so he got really, really, really fell in love with the agriculture of where he was from and said, we need to make a, an American whiskey from where I'm from that depicts what I think an American single malt would be. And that's the only thing we do. We focus on the wood, we focus on the barley, we focus on the brewing, we focus on the farms. Well, so where are you sourcing this malted barley yeah. from? Is it two row, is it six it's row? Two, it's two row barley. Um, that's pretty, that's kind of a unique uh, portion that we take that no other distillery in the world is doing. We're not using one barley type for our mash bill. We're using five barleys. Oh, wow. So um, we're using five malted barleys. We're using a Washington Pale, um, a Washington um, Munich malt, a special malt, and then we're using a, a 
pale brown malt and a chocolate malt. And those, the chocolate malt's coming from the UK, one of the other malts is coming from Wisconsin, and then the other 80% of the malts are coming from Washington State. That's so, there's a, so I'm just going to let everybody know right now who's in the room, take one of these on your way out because we also don't hide anything. So we have these wonderful things for people to grab on their way out. And you can find this online too. You can find this anywhere. It's the Westland we, Field this is, Guide. It's the Field Guide. It tells you everything. It tells you our barley types. It tells you our wood program. It tells you the mash bills of every single thing that we're going to drink tonight. And that if you're going to go pick it up, you'll be able to find this online too. So it's really great. So are you taking all those five different kinds of grass and making one fermentation? Or are you fermenting them separately? Nope. Making so separate whiskeys and whiskeys and five blending. malt blending. blend is our core back is our backbone, and it's going to be in all uh, of the products that we taste tonight. Um, but then we take the Washington Pale Select, the two-row, on its own, and we distill that on its own. So then we have that as well. So we have the five malt, and then we have the Pale Select on its own, brewed and distilled and barreled. And then we also have our peated, and our peated is another interesting story that we'll get into, because our peated malt's coming from Inverness up in Baird's Malting. So we actually are pulling our peat malt from Scotland right now. That's really cool. Um, and then we have two different cask types. We're using um, Cooper's Select and Cooper's Reserve. So we have two different cask types. One is a heavy char light toast, mm -hmm. and the other is a light char heavy toast. So they give us two different like flavor profiles. So we take our three different distillates, we'll put them in two different barrel types, and then it gives our master blender a really, really big palate to play with once he goes to Yeah, that's really, really yeah. cool. So how long is the fermentation when you guys, are, um, are there different lengths from the two no, different No, 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 they're about the same. And we're a, we focus on a brewing mentality. We're using Belgian Saison Brewer's Yeast. So our fermentation's a little bit longer. We're running like a, a four or five day fermentation. So it's a nice, like you can, you can go to the distillery and if they're making uh, the beer, which they generally are, we're, we're at full capacity right now. If they're if they're making it, and you go on a distillery tour, you can ask them, "Hey, can I have some of the beer uh, right off the tank?" And depending on what day stage it's in, if you catch it right at the end, it just tastes like an uncarbonated saison. It's really really nice. Yeah, it's really good. Amazing. Yeah, it's so it's delicious. <laughs> so that's something yeah. that the craft distilleries seem to be doing a lot of are really putting the effort into making the best beer. Um, mm -hmm. That's what sets it apart. Like a lot of distillers you go to, if you have the beer that goes into the still, you wouldn't really want to drink it on its own. Yeah. But these you guys can, sound yeah. like it, that's... You could, yeah, especially that, that especially that pale, like, that, that pale select, the Washington select by itself, like on its own, it's just a really, really bright, citrusy flavor profile. And we get a lot of great flavors from the yeast because we're, we're focusing on the yeast. We're focusing on Belgian Saison yeast and we're focusing, well, as we drink, we'll talk more about the barley, but we want people to taste it. And so we want people to have those fruity, notes and those like forward notes so well let's uh, taste it then yeah. so, so what is this first expression so called we're gonna have the american oak and rightfully so we call it the american oak because we're really focusing with this one on what matt hoffman and the team at westland's vision of what an american single malt should taste like they're saying okay let's focus on our five barley blend on our mash bill of five different roasted and malted barleys, because we do actually roast one of our barleys as well, which nobody else is doing. Um, let's focus on that as the backbone, but then let's also play with this Cooper Select and Cooper's Reserve and have these two different wood types. So nothing else is going in these. It's not like single malt scotch where you're using ex-American whiskey casks. We're using brand new American oak. And we're focusing on the wood. We're not kiln drying it. We're leaving it to air dry. So all of our wood is outside 18 to 24 months air oh, wow. drying. There's a lot of flavor in there. Uh, so that's why we call this the American oak, because it's really, an, it, 
you'll taste the barley, you'll taste the yeast, you'll taste the distillation, how great it is and how like buttery smooth it is. But you'll, interesting. yeah. Interesting. So what happens when you sticker up the wood, if you season your wood before making the barrels, especially if it's outside for yep. 18 to 24 months, what happens is the, the tannins will actually fall out of the wood. You can go out to where they sticker up yeah. the, uh, the staves and there's like this black dust on the ground. That's actually the tannins having dropped out of the wood. So you can think of it as being a sweeter barrel wood, essentially, mm -hmm. to make their barrels out of something that's going to bring a little bit of a more mellow barrel yes. action. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, that's why we do two different types. We want some that's going to have a little bit more vanilla, a little bit more char. So we have a heavy char barrel, but then we have a light char, longer toast. So some of our whiskeys are able to get in and out of the wood a lot easier. Some of them have to fight, and they get a little bit more of that, like, carbon and a little bit more of that vanilla from the wood because we've charred it so much. So we have two distillates that could come off the still at the same time, go into two different wood types, and then we'll be like, okay, cool. See how they're acting a little differently. Everything is aged currently in the rainforest uh, in Hoquiam Valley um, in Washington State, um, but we are working on building our uh, new rickhouses up by our malting facility in um, Skagit Valley so that we can kind of bring everything where the farms, the malting, um, and our aging facility are all right there. Beautiful. So, cheers, so let's try some of this Westland American Single Malt Whiskey. This is American Oak, and this is just the five kinds, or is this also blended with just the two-row as well? Yeah, we have some two-row in there, but the backbone of this, you're going to get more of that five uh, okay. in there. It's about like 70 to 75 percent And of that no five. age statement? Do you have a sense of we, what yes. the average age yeah, is? Yeah, we though? don't put an age statement on there, but we are a minimum of three going into this. So what are you guys getting as you smell this American single malt whiskey from Westland? 46 percent ABV, in case anyone's curious right off the oh, bat. Oh, yes. Yeah. Little 92 proof. Dulce de leche, nice. Wow. Wow, that's... Everyone else's, everyone else's like answer it. is wrong now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, I'm getting kind of a cedary note to me. Yeah. Like, there's like a nice verdant green kind of right in the middle of the nose. You can smell the oak? What are you getting, Olivia? Raisins. Raisins, nice. That's good. What are you guys getting? Anybody else? Raisins. That's really, really good. Yeah, raisins come through... Does anyone get any kind of baking spices at all? A little bit of, little bit of cooked bread. Cinnamon, yeah. Cinnamon, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's been a lot of with this. I think with with these spirits, is a lot of people will look at them and go, "Man, those are so young," and we're like, "Well, they're that young for a reason." Because we're really trying to focus on the barley. Because we're not buying barley in the commodity system. We're buying it out. So we're buying direct from farmers that are growing it for us. So we work up with a place in Skagit Valley called the Bread Lab. Uh, we're working on different strains of barley because there's thousands of strains of barley, like 10,000 strains of barley in the world. And like like three dozen of them are used for consumption. And so we're working on like going outside of the GMO, like outside of that stratosphere to like put money into the farming industry in the Skagit Valley. Because the Skagit Valley is kale and beans and tulips. And barley had been used as a throwaway crop, like to re-put nitrates into the Cover soil. Crop. Yeah, in between. And they would just sell it for feed. And now we're coming in and saying, hey, we want the top dollar barley. So now their cover crop, their rotational crop, is yielding as much, if not more, than their crop that they like started. So like, we're, they're, they're, they like us a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So tap some over your tongue, guys. What are you getting? Sometimes the nose will lead you one way and the tongue will take you something different. So allow that surprise to occur, you know? And share some food words. No wrong answers. What were we saying? Vanilla. Vanilla, yeah. So I'm getting the yeah. opposite on everything. Right really? now. I'm getting so much salt on it. 
So like, it's really salty. I yeah. don't okay. like the sea, the sea air like blue there. Mm. Candy bacon. Yeah, there's definitely a sweetness on this that's going to come from those roasted malts and from. I was getting like a new mommy yeah. thing too on the nose. I was getting like a hammy note, you know? Yeah. I'm getting like bacon and brown sugar. Yeah, the candied bacon is really, really good. That's excellent, Simon. Yeah. Yeah, what do you guys think of this American single malt from Westland? Pretty brilliant, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We definitely don't want this oh, to taste like anything else. Like, so when you taste this, I think one of the biggest things is like, okay, with the boom of the single malt industry and with America being a corn and rye whiskey nation, everyone looked at the distillery when they first started doing this, looked at Matt Hoffman and his team and said, why wouldn't you make bourbon? And he's like, that doesn't make sense. You get, this is the region. And you kind of had to explain it. Now people get it and they know but we don't want this to taste like a single malt scotch. We don't want it to taste like um, a Japanese single malt. It needs to taste like an American single malt. So I think this is a really good representation of what Matt and his team are like trying to do. Wow, I really, it's really rich. It's really yeah. round, it's beautiful. Especially for only minimum three years. You're not getting- Yeah, for young whiskey, it's not yeah, doughy. Yeah, we're at a minimum age statement of three now, but you know, when they first started out, they were at a minimum age statement of two because they got to make money. Um, yeah. I think that it's really reached its potential in the last like two years with them bumping their stocks and being able to go to a three-year minimum age statement. So are you so. blending that? So you got your, your two-grain distillate. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of like the more astringent part of the, the blend and then the five-grain is kind of like the meat that you I, put on the, the bones? The, the, the five, for the American single malt, the five uh, barley blend is the meat on the bones. As we move into the sherry wood and our peated, that's gonna be a through line in the backbone and the, and the two roll, the pale malt, will kind of like be more of the meat. Because then when we move to the sherry wood, we're gonna focus on the sherry wood, where with this, although we're calling it the American oak, we're really focusing a lot on the barley in this. How did you guys decide on, uh, decide on that Belgian uh, yeast, uh, yeast oh, brewers? Uh, uh, that was all Matt. That was just like what he studied, what he learned, what he wanted. He so built He, he built the distillery. Yeah, and it wasn't like something that like, where Matt's just like this young guy who learned how to distill. He designed the distillery. Like he did the blueprints and designed it. Like Are it's his design. What's that? Are you guys, uh, Ooh, we'll get to the, we should get to the, let's talk about the malting right now. Can we talk about the malting? Sure, sure. Well, and yeah, yeah. Oh, I like to, one thing I really the, noted on this whiskey yeah. is it's got a really creamy mouthfeel. Like it brought out, you said uh, dulce leche, but I, I'm getting like a custard for sure. Oh, like God, a yeah. Boulet, like yeah. a coconut. I coconut feel like that comes from us something. roasting a couple of our malts and also using different malts. You know, the, the scotch industry uses one, you're using concerto malt and it, that's being bred for uh, high yield. We're not using percentage. Yeah, yeah, we're not using malt that's bred for yield. We're we're breeding it for flavor. Oh, wow. So there's a there's a in the Skagit Valley there's actually a festival, um, and it's the malt festival, and everyone comes to all the farmers and they and they they make barley tea and they make uh, they make barley spread, barley snacks, they make beers, and they basically showcase all of their flavor profiles of the barley that they're growing on their crop farms and different um, bakers and brewers and distillers come out and they taste everything and they, to get an idea, a sense of what they wanna use for either their mash bill or for their beer or for maybe for like a bread that they're making yeah. because it's about flavor up there. It's not about per tonnage like you were saying. Um, That's, it's a huge deal. When you think about that, like they're actually spending more money on the grass. Like yeah. the difference between two grain and six grain is that there's a lot of difference in terms yeah. of like 
the amount of harvest you're going to get. Exactly. Obviously, like yeah. if it's just two rows as opposed to six rows, you're getting a lot more grain per stock. You're getting a lot more grain per stock. The stuff that we're using, the uh, the two row barley, just even some of the specialty malts that we're using from Wisconsin and from the UK, we are using the most expensive commodity grain in the world to make our whiskey. That's amazing. And it's by a lot. Like when you, I can't remember the numbers now, but if you compare it to corn and rye, it's like four, six, eight, ten times more. It's it gets up there. And that's what the craft distillers have to do in this day and age. If you're going to enter the market and go to bat oh. with all the big boys coming out of Kentucky, the only way you're going to gain shelf space is to have a totally unique product yeah. that really is more interesting exactly. and is worthy of that shelf yeah. space. So, how much is that uh, American single malt, the American oak? going to cost me at my local liquor store? So we're coming in, I think between American Oak, we're high 60s, and we'll we'll bump up a little bit in price as we take Sherry Wood and Pete it, and then Gariana's gonna you know, go south or north of 150 as we get there. But um, when you're looking at the, the money we're putting into the Skagit Valley, into the barley, when you're looking at the yeast we're using and the wood types we're using, the fact of the matter is you gotta dry age that wood for two years plus just to be able to use it. There's a lot that goes into this. So it is a little bit younger, and I, I've, I've seen some people balk at price, but I, I put it up against some of the other stuff that's young in the market. And then I say, like, listen, you know, we're averaging a four, we're three to five years there. We're averaging four years. There's four year bourbons out there that are costing you the same amount of money right now. And I just, and the quality is, it's great, it's bourbon. But there's no, this has a character arc to it that just, mm -hmm. I the mouth think feels yeah, really yeah. impeccable. Yeah. So what's the second? So we're on the sherry Mark wood now. Stuff and you just passed around Yeah, here. so let's talk about malting later, actually, because now we have the sherry wood in front of us, and I just I will can't. get back to it, because that's yeah, a great yeah. question, no, Stephanie. No, it is. We definitely I think, it's a good, I think it's a good thing to talk about after we taste the peated, because I can talk about malts with that. Okay. With the sherry wood, though, I'm gonna, I want to I say something that's going to probably shock a lot of you right now, if you know about sherry and you know about how barrels are brought over to the United States to use for aging. We don't buy sherry staves, we buy full barrels. So for our sherry wood expression, the reason we call it the sherry wood, because we want to take our American single malt and show you kind of, it's almost like kind of like a, okay, there's some sherry bomb whiskeys out there. You know, there's some great stuff that's full term sherry, um, or there's some stuff that says sherry wood, but they're just rested for like six months. We're full term sherry in wet casks. So we pay the extra price to bring over casks that have to have at least 30% sherry still in them to be brought over. So we have to dump that sherry out and then we put our whiskey directly into the casks. So Pedro Jimenez, Oloroso, full time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Where does that sherry go? Oh, you've got three. It goes into yeah. It goes into the bellies of the workers. Yeah. <laughs> There's not even that much of it left because those sherry casks can be. They can suck they, up a lot. They can of... suck up a lot of whiskey. So we're still using. I just saw an Instagram feed from Westland of new. It was like new butts arriving, and it was like the 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 distillery floor with a whole bunch of sherry butts. So I'm assuming uh, that those are the new sherry butts for the next batch to go in. So there might be, next time I go up to the distillery, there might be some sherry sitting in the kitchen. Probably, doubtful though. <laughs> so, um, so let's try this one, you guys. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What does this American single malt sherry cask finish from Westland remind you of? Dry figs, yeah. Candied fruit. Candied fruit, great. Great, what else? I haven't tasted it yet, but I can just tell it's very dry. Oh yeah, it's got some nice spice to it though too. Like I'm yeah. getting like a, a underbelly, like some clove and that cinnamon again. But rich berries as well, like yep. blackberries. You yeah, know, you're gonna uh, that spice is in there in the background. 
like all those cooked fruits are in there. I definitely think that when you taste it, you're going to realize, you're going to remember, because right now I get my nose into it and I'm reminded of a lot of like the great single malt scotches like Glendronic and McKellen. Like I'm reminded of them because I'm like, oh, this is sherry. This is sherry. Yeah. Well, as soon as you start to taste it, you're going to remember like, oh, this is American single malt. Okay. So tap some over your tongue, guys. How does that experience change? Share your opinion. There's no wrong answers. I'm still getting that stunned burden silence green. is good. Yeah, <laughs> I like stunned silence. No one's spitting it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then still retains that nice green quality, but with that yeah. beautiful sherry finish, which is like raisins and plums, really beautiful on the finish. Yeah, and there is um, there is still some American oak in here, so it's full term sherry, but that only about seventy percent of the full uh, blend to make this uh, this American single malt is those full-term sherry casks. Another like 20 to uh, 30% of it is gonna be some of our American oak casks. And we do, and we'll do some second fill American oak. We'll take some Westland, we'll put it back in some of our old American oak casks and do a second fill. And then we'll take, we'll even, we'll even do some second fills of our sherry too. So um, this is full-term sherry, uh, but there is like, if we gave you 100% full-term sherry, you wouldn't get the through line of that American single malt. It would mm -hmm. just taste like a sherry bomb, which it still does. It's but got a lot it of but it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's really well-rounded. Yeah. yeah, that's an impeccable whiskey. I mean, yeah, cinnamon on the nose, but then I'm getting like almost like s'mores. Like I get mm -hmm. this like chocolate and graham cracker on the tongue yeah. on the finish. I get the great nutty qualities that you get from drinking like a Pedro Mesa. Cashew. Also. Yeah, like a cooked or a candied nut. Like, um, it's gorgeous. Like pecan pie. Wow. Um, what do you guys think? It's a beautiful one, right? Yeah. The sherry, very, this very This is different. your, I mean, the American oak, I am putting it in, and this is, I'm a cocktail bartender originally, and I'm out there drinking the He stuff. was a bartender here at Seven Grand, yeah, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. We got family in please the don't, house. Please don't clap for me. Oh. <laughs> um, don't you like it when the people yeah. clap for the bartenders? You never saw yeah, a cocktail? Yeah. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people oh, line man. up four deep, and they're just cheering the whole time. Do you know how many people that I have had to, you know how many people I still in this like day and every age, night. you tell somebody you were a bartender, and they're like, oh, like cocktail? And you're like, yes. Sure, sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Mile, miles of yeah, flair, yeah, yeah, yeah. flair for days, um, <laughs> flair for days. Yeah. Have you seen the TGI like uh, training videos? No. Oh no. man. Are we gonna yeah. digress? Yeah. Don't we? I won't. I won't let us <laughs> go online and like and look and find them. They're great. Um, yeah. Uh, I just I think that still a lot of people are afraid to put you know single malts in cocktails and I and I get it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm I, like I don't. I'm not putting the sherry wood in a cocktail per se all the time, but the American oak I am. But if you are a cocktail type with your single malt, especially for one that's, you know, you know, south of like $70. Uh, Maybe a Rob I, I'm going to tell you, no, I'm going to say my favorite and people are going to be shocked by it. <laughs> a sherry wood highball. I'm down literally, with that. Literally just a sherry wood. Um, I, I love uh, Topo Chico. A little sherry wood, topo something with a really, really like big fat bubble, or that what's that bottle from Trader Joe's, a Grolsteiner. Okay. Uh, that yeah, German, that, that yeah. And then, and then, yeah. and then, and then, and then citrus. Q soda. Because I, this is I, such I a like sherry. Q soda is pretty good. Yeah. Fever Tree makes some great stuff too. Yeah. Any so any any like really big like heavy bubble, um, soda water, um, with like two ounces of this in a highball with like a citrus. I think it's just because there's so much wet sherry on this cask, so mm. much Pedro Menes and Oloroso, it tastes like you just took a single malt whiskey, a little bit of sherry, 
and made a cocktail with it. Wow. It opens it up. It opens it up. It opens it up. Yeah, we get really, when we opened Bar Jacob, that was one of the things we wanted to be able to have like the best highballs around. We researched really extensively soda water. Now that sounds like a stupid fool's errand. Makes a lot of sense. But it it was a really vigorous thing like to find the best soda water because there's so much variance in flavor. Yeah. You know, Bobby Hugel in Texas did like a whole like, he did like a whole staff training. He owns bars in Texas for anybody who wants to go to Texas, go to his bars. He's in uh, Houston. Or you can go to Seven Grand in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Houston anyway, so don't worry about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, we're not competing. Yeah. Uh, you're not competing with him. But he did a whole, a whole like staff training where he like brought in his entire staff and they brought in like 20 soda waters and they're like, okay, this is the day we're picking our soda water. Like, it does make a lot of sense. You drink a highball or, you know, any kind of whiskey cocktail or any kind of just like soda, like a vodka soda, a gin and soda, your, your, your bubbly water has to be able to do it. It has to, it's, it's important. I'm really impressed yeah. by those cast. It's really, yeah. really nice. Um, so we're going to move on to the peated. And oh, goodness. this one is fun um, because I get to talk a little bit about Brew Claudia when I talk about it because uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're sister distilleries, Brew Claudia and Westland. Um, yeah, yeah, clap for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brugelotti, one of the most idiosyncratic yeah. of all the single malls from yeah. the Isle of Isla. And there's, yep. there's a joke in Scotland is that it's Tuesday and Jimmy Kewen's coming out with a new whiskey. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's seriously true. And I mean, uh, go online when you get done here. If you haven't, if you're all whiskey nerds, you probably already read the article before me. But uh, Brugelotti is expanding. We're just, we're, we're breaking ground on our malting floors on Isla. Um, we're, we're moving to green energy in the near future, so we're talking about that. There's some great stuff. Um, Matt Hoffman studied with the team at Brucati. Um, Remy Quantro owns both distilleries, and it was at like kind of the behest of the teams at Brucati and the teams at Westland where they kind of came to Remy Quantro and they're like, we have seen what you have done with Brucati. We know that you need to be our parent company. We know that like we want your backing. We want, we want, we we want to grow as Brucati has grown with you the same way. So uh, they struck a deal in 2012. And so we have been, uh, Westland has now been a part of that Remy Quancho family um, for that time. And so we're sister distilleries. So it's, it's really unique to have these two, um, these two single malts um, at different ends of the spectrum uh, that both care about Tawar, that both care about um, you know, rotational cropping that both care about the people in the vicinity of their distillery and making mm-hmm. sure that everything is done right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing, Remy Quantro is a small company. I mean, we only have like 100 employees in the United States. Wow. We're, not, we're not a big boy, we're a small one. Um, so let's talk about malting yeah, because I about... smell peat here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You smell meat. Stephanie's answer, Yeah, yeah. And the, and, the, and, the, and the thing we talk about with the peated whiskey when you get your nose to it now is that we we're not trying to out Scotland, Scotland with our pita whiskey. We weren't trying to like blow like, you know, Octomore out of the water or anything. We're not trying to make a pita whiskey to show off. We're trying to show that we can take peated malt and we can incorporate it into our American single malt backbone of our five malt blend and our American, um, our American casks. And we can showcase what a pita whiskey will take like, taste like if it was an American single malt. So this is 20 parts per million. So 20 PPMs of phenol content um, is going into this, and we're using uh, peated uh, malted barley from Baird's Malting in uh, Scotland, and the the that is coming from Inverness. That's like where their main holding facility is. And if you know about Baird's Malting, or if you know about peated malt that goes into Port Charlotte, Noctimore, it's that same malt. 
So this, so the peated malt that's going into the whiskey you're going to taste right now is that same malt that's going into Brucladi and Octomore uh, Port Charlotte. Well, here's the other thing too. We're not we're a non-age statement whiskey, and we give our master blender the palette of colors that he has to work with, with everything from the two different barrel types, the three different distillations, and then he can swap in and out. There could be even be, we have old cherry casks too. So his job in blending is to create a flavor profile that's indicative of what we're looking for, but he's not trying to match it year to year. Okay. Yeah, we want it. We don't mind those, 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 those subtle changes. We don't mind that like, oh man, this one's a little bit more floral this year, or oh man, the yield on the crops was, was a little lower. We have a higher sugar content because the growing season was a little bit stronger. We don't mind those subtle like changes. It's up to the master blender and Matt Hoffman, our master distiller, working together as a team to say, yeah, this is what we're putting out. Like this is the flavor profile we want. And that peated whiskey, that peated barley from Inverness is just very floral. If you've ever had Port Charlotte before, it's just got this bright, fruity, floral, like, component to it that like that barley from Isla doesn't have. Um, I think we should taste before I like talk yes, everyone's ear off. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. I can talk. He can All talk. Right. Yeah, I can talk. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, stick your nose in that glass. Breathe in gently through your mouth. Share your experience, guys. What are you reminded of as you smell this Westland peated American single malt? Mm. Ah, Wow. I'm eating like, yeah, peach, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. There's like this cool like stone fruit there. Yeah, smoked peaches. Like maybe if you like put some, put them on the grill. That's beautiful. What else? Tap some on your tongue. How's that experience change? It's like dark chocolate and beef jerky. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That sounds like a road trip to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my car smells like. <laughs> Wow, that's gorgeous. Yeah. It smells wonderful. There's a good brine to it. Um, there's a really nice, there's a salty quality that she mentioned earlier that goes through all these, which is nice. And I, I, I think it just could come from the rainfall in Skagit Valley. It could just come from, you know, aging in the rainforest. And it could just become, come from the fact that we're not over-aging it. We're not trying to like pump this American oak and overdo it. So we're allowing the barley and the yeast and everything to come through. So I think that could be like, so you get this little salinity to it that just, mm -hmm. it's really nice. Salt um, and caramel. Yeah. Salt and caramel and pretzel. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Because yeah, there is a little bit of doughy in this that I think you get. Step, did, do you feel like your question was answered oh, no. about the malting? No, no, no. I haven't touched it yet. No, no. I haven't got there yet. No. Okay. So this is, so let's, so let's talk about our malting facility in the Skagit Valley. Um, we work with the Skagit Valley Malting Company. Um, the Skagit Valley Malting Company was a group of scientists that got together to change the industry of malting um, because nobody was like knew how to malt in the United States because like barley wasn't being grown and malted for beer production and and um, single malt whiskey production in these big yields. And when they were malting and getting it from Scotland or getting it from Canada or getting it from central, like, you know, United States, it's done on a big malting floor and there's a lot of loss. So these guys created these um, drum malting mm -hmm. facility. Um, and they, it's not like going, it's not this romantic thing where you go to Scotland and you see the malting floor with the rakes and then there's the, the fire being stoked with peat underneath. This is... The guy with the monkey shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, there's a, the distillery cat running around, although there is actually a malting, I, that's a wrong, there's a lie, there's a big tabby cat at the malting company, so <laughs> it's actually a lie. Um, um, 
they have four giant drums. They look like, you know, they look like something out of a sci-fi movie and they are drum malting, but there's like zero like loss on their on their malting. So they're getting the top dollar from these farmers because there's no loss on this. And they're innovating as they go along. They're able to they have a small brewery at their malting facility so they make beer with all of the malt that they're coming in. That's and so the cool. malting company is helping the farmers. They're working in the fields with the farmers. It's like a co-op and they're working with the bread lab which is next door to make breads and pizzas and doughs with all of these things that they're working with as this big like symbiotic relationship to get the best flavor and yields from all of everything in the Skagit Valley. It's a really, really cool experience, which is one of the reasons why we want to put our aging facilities up there because when we bring people to Westland, bringing them to Westland and seeing the distillery is one thing, but taking them to the Skagit Valley, having them walk the barley fields and then meet the farmers and meet the guys in the bread lab and meet the malting facility owners and then go to the tour of the uh, rickhouses. That's the story of Westland. Like this is this, we're outside of the commodity system. We're putting, you know, money back into the farming community in the Skagit Valley. It's a really, really important thing. It's cool. Definitely. It's kind of opened my eyes to a world outside of single malt whiskey that I didn't understand. Um, and I'm still trying to understand it. There's a lot, there's a lot of information up there. What's the distance between your distillery and the- It is about an hour and a half with traffic with no traffic it's about 50 minutes yeah it's not far yeah and what's the possibility of actually finding some oregon peat and or washington peat excuse me and, and like peating with it's almost like you've done your research North- it's almost like you've done your research almost like you it's called a lead-in question yeah yeah yeah, it's like- um, yeah it's a- oh you know fancy that we uh, we have we've uh, we've found uh pete um this is kind of cool story um so peat bogs are all over like, there's always that joke about Scotland running out of peat. It's never going to happen. Um, there are peat bogs all over the Pacific Northwest, but they all sit on government-owned property, on national parks or government land. So you can't go in and cut it up. You can't use it. There was an old naval base um, up in the Pacific Northwest in um, southern Washington, and the Navy shut it down. And the land was sold to a private owner, an old naval officer who actually used to live on that property. So he bought it and he started harvesting the peat there and he sells it to pharmaceutical companies and uh, fire repellent companies. They use it to make fire repellents. And we found him and went onto his facility and we're like, yeah, uh, we're gonna make uh, American whiskey. And started, they started like going and like, they're like, show us your peat bogs. And Matt Hoffman and the distillery managers are out there and they're looking for the best flavor of peat bogs. Like, and the guy's like, it's just peats. That's the peat there, that's the peat there. He was super confused by them like trying to find like the best. He's like, he's like, I just cut it and I give it to you and you take it. And uh, so we had to, we one had to find this guy, found this guy bought peat from him, but then we had to take the peat to the Skagit Valley Malting Company and say, can you peat barley, which they've never done. So they had to go through trial and error and make a whole bunch of different systems to smoke the barley as it's being malted. So they've come up with a, the cool thing is they're scientists, so they build it small scale and then they go up from there. And so they've got like this thing that's about tall as me, it's like a rocket ship. And that's their, and it looks like a, it looks like a little rocket ship and it's a, it looks like a smoker, like a meat smoker mm-hmm, and they're smoking mm-hmm. peat. And they're like, if this is going to work, you know, if we get this going, like we can like expand this and, and make it like much, much bigger. Right on. So Stephanie's going to come around with our, our fourth mark. Yeah. And this is the Gariana Oak. Yeah. So can you speak a moment about what that is? Because a lot of people yeah. might not have, have yeah. never heard of Gariana Oak. Has anybody, who, have you guys all 
heard of American single malt? I'm sorry, heard of Westland American single malt before coming in here today? Most of you? Yeah? You have a question or are you just like excited about America? She, she, You're just she super about excited it. about Gariana. Um, cool. So three years ago, four years ago actually, um, we launched a product in our what we're calling our Native Oak series uh, called the Gariana. And the Gariana is named after uh, Ficus Gariana, which is a, a, an oak, a style of American oak that grows in the Northwest. It grows from like Northern California up through uh, Washington. In the last hundred years, it's been farmed and knocked down and logged, and there's about 10% of it left from what used to be in the Northwest over the last hundred years. So it's a protected class of oak. You can't cut it down. You're not legally allowed to go and log it. So in order to find Gariana oak for us to use, we have to, we make a joke, there's actually a little video you can watch online called Oak Hunters. We have to go hunt for it. We have to go seek it out where it's fallen from it being old and like storm hitting, or we have to go find lumber yards that maybe have some hidden, and hopefully it's not too old and too far gone for us to be able to use, and hopefully it's cut properly in the right length so we can make barrel staves out of it. Um, yeah, I know that in, in Oregon, when I grew up, the, the, the Gariana is the native Pacific Northwest oak, yeah, it but is. it's it's just junk wood. Like yeah. you're not used to, to build houses no, out of. And you maybe it's for firewood. Yeah, exactly. And the and the funny thing is, no one's ever actually really like gone into aging with it before. A couple of wineries in Oregon started putting um, wine in Guyana, and they're like, "Whoa, that's way too much." It's a really really porous wood, and it gives so much flavor to the super wine. Tannic. Super tannic. That they're just like, Thank "This you. is ruining the wine," so we will get it out of here. Um, so the cool thing with us is we find this, we find that it imparts a ton of flavor, like really, really cool flavors, really, really, I'm not gonna tell about the tasting notes, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. But because it's so porous, it takes a while to dry age, because we're still, we're not kiln drying it, we're still aging it outside. So where we go from 18 to 24 months with our American oak, with our Gariana, uh, we're a minimum of 36 months to dry age. Wow. So we, first we gotta find the wood, then we gotta get it cut in staves, and then we've gotta let it sit for two and a half years before we can even put whiskey into it. So it's a it's a it's a it's a trying process. Definitely. Um, and uh, but it imparts a ton of flavor, so much so that this is so this is the Gariana 3.1. So this is the one that just came out this past year, this past fall. Um, and I can actually probably pull up and let you know exactly what the wood's going on in here. And this is an kind of a one. similar thing to the Bruglotti thing, so that they're acknowledging the fact that. There's going to be not so much continuous, but individuality to each different release every year. So the 3.1 is going to be different than the 2.1 or yeah. what have you, which is very much what Bruglotti does yeah. with their Octomore series. So stick your nose in this glass, guys. What is it about Gariana? Let's try to locate what that difference is mm. in that wild Pacific Northwest oak. Yeah. Fruit boots. <laughs> wow. I'm getting like a cigar, like cigar ash yeah. in here. It's like, it's really ashy. So the cool thing is um, the first expression of Gariana, the, the point one, um, had some peaty whiskey in it. The second did not. This one does. So you'll get a little bit of smoke in there. Like, I mean, I get it on the nose right away, so I know the peated in there, but I believe that the two had no peated whiskey in it at all. Um, peated barley in it at all. Because, so we're using you know, the five malt blend is a backbone. We're using some pale. We're using some peated here. Uh, it's it's uh, two years minimum in the Gariana oak, but there's other oak that's that's it's seeing this as well. 
because if we were to just release just the Garyana, it's such an overpowering flavor because of how porous it is and how much like chocolate notes it gives to it. Yeah. Um, this is like, I think this smells like and tastes like milk chocolate. So it's definitely, I get that milk chocolate. It's nutty too. I get like that cashew butter. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you just made me think of peanut butter and it kind of has like a little peanut buttery. I'm getting like an apple note in here too, like red apple. What were you going to say? I said it smells like my grandpa's den. It's uh, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's no, there's great. definitely, there's like, there's some, you know what there is? There is that like, um, fungus is a bad word when talking about whiskey because it sometimes evokes like the wrong like flavor notes, but like there's a musky. Like, but oaky and musty. I get yeah. that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will warn everyone. Uh, we're not jumping. We're, we're jumping out of 46 and moving into 56. Oh, so I'm sure you can probably proof. smell that, but like when you tap it to your tongue as. Yeah, let's as do it. Yeah, what yeah. are you guys getting as you tap this over your tongue? The Westland Guariana American Single Malt, finished in Pacific Nose Northwest Wild Oak. Someone say mm -hmm. leather? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you said leather or love it. Love it. Love it. Mm. Love it. Love it. It's really drying on the palate. Yeah. Like, I think that's the Guariana Oak, you know, it's like really drives mm -hmm. up across the back of your palate. You get a really strong woody note. Yeah. Really beautiful. Like, say again? That's that proof coming in, yeah. coming in hot. Yeah, there. it is coming in hot. A little bit of water will open this up and really, I talked about those chocolatey notes. You know, you put, you know, I'll drop the water in this. If you wanted to put it over ice, uh, you're gonna get caramel and chocolate and just these like, you know, these baked breads and rye bread flavor profiles that just like come through off this that like, um, those first bottles are so rare already that like, I mean, on like bottle shop, they're already like, going like three or four times more than they were. That's it's crazy. crazy. It's, it's an mm. insane project. So <laughs> what's, the, what's the output this year? How many Ooh, cases uh, are you going to put out of the Guariana? Um, 12,000. I think the last two years we put out 12,000 bottles wow. of the Guariana. Very, very small release. Yeah. Um, I believe it even says on the bottle. So I would assume that we're going we're gonna to sit around the same this year. Wow. That the distillery is big. It's not small. It's, we're, we're, we're a smaller, more independent style distillery. But if you get up to Seattle and you tour the facility, we're not a small distillery. We are, they built this for the, like, for the long haul. They're just like, we're going to, we're going to build a big we're distillery. Gonna go big. We're going to go big. We're going to build a big distillery because we want to be the backbone of American single malt. And so we're not building something that we're going to need to continue to upgrade over and over and over again. But we're putting a lot more down than we were three years ago. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. Wow. What do you guys think of that Gariana? Coming in hot. Yeah. yeah. Olivia, what do you think? Yeah. And then keep an eye out for, I don't know if we've got any coming into market. Um, I've, I've heard rumors of them releasing some, um, which I, you know you know what I'm going to talk about? Bruce. No, I'm talking about the Pete Week. Oh, I don't do that. No, keep an eye out for it um, in, as you travel in the Pacific Northwest or if it ever pops up on a shelf here because we have an overstock of it. Um, it just won um, American Single Malt of the Year, won like um, in the World Spirits Expo, like it got the, the American sing best American Single Malt is our peat week. We put out an expression at the distillery in Washington State. We do a, a peat festival um, in February and our, our most recent peat week, uh, that is peated to, um, so this is 20 ppm is what we tasted a couple of seconds ago, or a couple minutes ago. Um, and our peat week is 50 ppm. So it's just like about, just a little bit above Lafroig. It's really good. Right on, beautiful. Um, Does anyone else have any questions for Nathan today? About the Westland American yeah, single malt. About, about our procedures, our people, our 
Well, it's not that far. We can all go for a tour. You guys are doing public tours there now, yes? Oh, no, we do them all the time. Yeah. Uh, That's really cool. Like five days a week. Um, we, have a beautiful, we have a beautiful tasting room, too. Um, beautiful shop. So you guys can go up there and hang out. And it's, uh, and it's cool. It's a cool part. It's in a cool part of Seattle. Um, it's right next to a lot of industry in, in Soto. And it's like south of downtown Seattle. So right past all the stadiums there. Um, we are a block from Starbucks headquarters, so you can go into the Starbucks roastery, like their host, their like roasting house, and they have a full bar now there. Uh, so you can go in and like see like because they do all the brand innovation at Starbucks, like right down the street from us. So you can go in and see what they're working on. And then we're down the street from Filson Clothing Manufacturers, uh, like clothing manufacturer that's been around since like the late 1800s. So you can go there. It's like this really and Krispy Kreme's office is there too. <laughs> so there's just like a lot of like cool like industry right there in Soto. It's a it's an untapped um, market in Seattle that I love. There's like three breweries. So it's a cool little part of Seattle to go and like uh, kind of pal around. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Right on. Yeah. Well, you guys, let's give it up for Mr. Nathan Burdad coming Cheers. in from Westland. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Thank that you guys. Great thank you for having me. Yeah. Sure. Really, really I appreciate you guys. Really great thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.